summer is a testimony to the glory of God. And I don't mean the summer beaches and the beauty of nature. What I mean are the bee stings and the bug bites and the cuts and the broken bones. Summer is the perfect opportunity for kids to fall off their bikes and to go to Girl Scout camp called Hunger Games and come home with their arm in a sling. Not Emma or Caroline, but one of their friends. And they heal. Our bodies have this amazing capacity to heal themselves. Now, it's true that we have to help them along often with antibiotics and a tetanus shot, with stitches or casts or chemotherapy. With the help of the healing process, even severe illnesses have this amazing capacity within our bodies to become whole. Now, over time, it gets harder. Our capacity to heal diminishes. There is a bone in my right foot that will never be right. But our souls also have this capacity to heal. God gives our bodies this amazing power, and God gives us the body of Christ to have an amazing healing power by the Holy Spirit on the body of humanity. And it is good that God gives us this power to heal, because as human beings, we can do some serious damage to each other. Our passage today focuses on how we speak to each other, especially when we are angry. Now, I want you to all be assured that I chose this scripture lesson and it's part of the lectionary long before Donald Trump took over the scene. He is not my poster boy. In fact, we've heard enough of him, so let's dismiss him right away from our worship. It's difficult to imagine anyone in the public sphere right now who does not express some kind of outrage, moral indignation, righteous anger. And sometimes we think they're funny, and sometimes they really do touch a nerve, and sometimes we just think they're mean. And sometimes that just depends on what our political perspective is. But now it seems like everyone is angry. What would be interesting to do would be on this year anniversary of Ferguson to go back and think about what anger produced positive change? What anger ended up promoting healing and change in policies and got to some of the roots of racism? And what anger was merely destructive and further divisive? 
But if we think only about our public sphere and who's talking on the radio, we too easily let ourselves off. This is a very personal letter that is written to the church and to each and every one of us. At one time or another, we all make room for the devil. Now, writing this sermon, I couldn't help but think about the old Looney Tunes cartoons, right? Where there's Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd, and on one shoulder there's an angel dressed in the white robe with the halo, and on the other shoulder there's the devil, right? Red tail with the fork, horns, pitchfork, the whole thing. And the angel is speaking good and trying to urge good, and there's the devil trying to urge bad and evil. And when the angel is trying to sway Elmer Fudd to give up rabbit hunting, the devil is there conjuring pictures of rabbit stew. And the devil almost always wins with Elmer Fudd, right? And there we are back to rabbit hunting. As funny as these cartoons are, they also may be useful when we think about the Holy Spirit and Diabolos, the devil, the evil spirits that get inside of us, good spirits and evil ones, and they're all there. The destructive spirits that convinces us to use our anger for division, that wants us to manipulate another person, that just wants to fly off and tell them what we really think, that creates division and does harm to our relationships, opposite the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth and honesty, the spirit that speaks in love, the spirit that creates community. Remember at the beginning, creation, the spirit of God hovered over the waters and brought creation to life. The spirit knits us together as people and as communities, as the world. That Holy Spirit. Sometimes we think that Anger is the devil. How many of us have heard about Christians who are supposed to be nice all the time? As in, don't get angry. We are to be above anger. That the mark of the true Christian is to never get angry. Or never let anyone know we're angry and always get along. And what does that lead to? Stroke, heart attack, upset stomach, ulcer, the eventual explosion. Be angry, says Ephesians. Did you hear that? Did you hear in the scripture lesson? It says 
It says we are speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Be angry. As the prophets were angry over injustice, Jesus certainly got angry when desperately poor people were being exploited. Jesus called Peter Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus was angry. Jesus let the temper fly in the temple, knocking over the tables and dumping out the money. He was angry. We have that anger that fuels positive change in action. And we have that anger that heats us up, that when that person cuts us off, if we had a laser gun that could instantly vaporize them and we could get away with it, we would do it. It is a Christian discipline to deal positively with our anger. The children know the techniques, at least some of them know some of the techniques. Take a deep breath, count to ten, use our words, and I will add, get enough sleep. We know that when we've written the angry email, we have to wait 24 hours before we click send. On the other hand, we can't let our anger fester or build up. Sooner or later, it does burst out in destructive ways, even violence. But as Christians, we have an even higher calling than simply dealing with our anger. We are called and equipped to heal the world. We are called and equipped with the Holy Spirit to use our words for the healing of the world. And this is part of our responsibility as followers of Jesus Christ. Our words are to be anti-inflammatories. Our words are to bring fevers down. Our words are to be the antibiotics that stop the infections of lies and fears. Our words are to be the chemotherapy that goes after the cancers of bigotry and racism that get inside our societies. Our words are to be those medicines that eliminate that poison so that kindness and wholeness can flourish. Our words are the meat of medication that keeps our hearts working, the stitches that help people forgive and come to wholeness. Remember, forgiveness is not condoning evil. 
It is a process of truth-telling and reconciliation for the purpose of wholeness, making peace, and moving on. So God has given us this Holy Spirit. Before we speak, when we've got that angel on the one shoulder, the Holy Spirit, we can think about it as the dove, which we don't want to make cry, and the devil on the other. And before we speak, when we are angry, one of the first questions we have to ask is, will our words heal? And if they won't, deep breath, count to ten, go to sleep, wake up before bed, deal with it. When you can use words to heal, tell the truth in love. There's another question that we ask ourselves. We must ask. And this may be the key to the whole thing. And I give you this tiny little illustration. In the middle of writing this sermon, and when I write sermons, I have to tell you, and I have gone into the zone, the zone of seclusion mentally, I do not like to be taken out of the zone. I'm in the zone. So yesterday, when I'm working on this, and there are three other people in the house, not far away from me, the doorbell rings. Now, I don't know how it is in your house, but our doorbell rings. It's either the UPS guy, or it is somebody trying to get us to buy something or sign a petition. Am I right? All right, well, nobody got up to answer the door. I pulled out of the zone. I go to the door, I open the door, the dog runs out. I have to chase the dog down. I get the dog back in. I shut the door. And standing before me are two people with a petition. Now, I am thinking that I am going to say to these people, thank you very much for bringing your petition by, but I don't sign them. And by the way, have a very nice day somewhere else. But... Probably because I was writing this sermon, the angel was on one side and prevailed over the devil at this moment. And instead, I looked at the person who was holding the clipboard, and I saw a frightened young woman who could barely get her message out who was trying with all of her heart to tell me about something that she deeply believed in. So I listened. I took the flyer. I said, thank you. And her face lit up. 
I had made her day. And it kind of made my day too. The question we must ask ourselves, do we see the humanity in the person we're about to speak to? Do we hear God reminding us that this is about community, that we are all members of one another? That person is part of me, and I am part of them. And if we cannot see the humanity in one another, We're grieving the Holy Spirit. On the eve of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln wrote in his first inaugural address to a nation divided, we are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies, though passion may be strained, it must not break the bonds of affection. The mystic cords of memory, stretching from every battlefield and patriot grave to every heart and hearthstone all over this broad land, will yet swell the chorus of the Union when again touched, as surely they will be, by the better angels of our nature. When anger starts to rise, and we are about to open our mouths, the devil on one shoulder and the Holy Spirit on the other, do we know that God made us one? with every person on the planet? Do we know that God has given us the Holy Spirit for the healing of humanity? Then take a deep breath and speak the words that make no room for the devil. Listen to the better angels of our nature and gladden and delight the Holy Spirit. Amen.